0: dig into this idea uh, that is brought up in this verse. So Proverbs 29:18 is where we'll be reading from. Um, but I want to first start and talk about vision. Um, it's been on my heart throughout the pandemic, uh, throughout the past year, really ever since I've, I've been here at the church, this focus on, on what is our vision for the church. What is God's vision for our church? What would He have us to be? What would He have us to do? How would He have us to to live? And I, I'm thankful that He has a vision for us. Uh, there is a vision for for our lives. Um, but really, what oftentimes happens is we have this idea that God has a vision for us, but we really don't have any way to state it clearly. Well, this is what God's vision for my life is. This is what God's vision for our church is. And that comes into this idea of what a vision statement is. It's just a short statement that, describe, that describes the goals of a group. It states what you are trying to build and serves as a touchstone for for your future actions. Ultimately, it's saying this, that the vision that God has put, given us for a church, it should be what dictates and decides what we do, how we live our lives, how we handle business, how we handle uh, ministering to other people. It should come back to this idea of what is the vision that God has given His church, our church. And that's where we get to Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, "...where there is no vision... The people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Because it clearly shows us what it is that God desires for us. And it clearly gives us a direction that says, If there's no vision, men, the people perish. That word perish, it doesn't just necessarily mean to die. It goes to the the Hebrew word of parah, which means to set loose or to lose restraint. Ultimately it means that you are aimless. You have no direction, no plan, no guidance. So he's saying, without the vision, the people they're aimless. They they just die. Basically, it's 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 going back to talking about the Hebrew children when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. It's saying you're aimless. You have no goal. You have no direction. You're just wandering about, and you'll perish in this situation because there is no vision. It says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, the law, we might read the law and we might think, okay, this is talking about Old Testament Torah. The Hebrew word for this is not Torah, it's Torah. What that means is direction. So he that follows, he that keepeth the direction, happy is he. He. But it goes even deeper. Torah comes from Yara. It's a primitive form of the verb. And what Yara means, it talks about an archer. To shoot, to throw, to aim. So basically it's what it's saying is, is where there is no vision, the people, they're aimless. They have no direction. They have no guidance. And they just die in this state. But he that keepeth the direction, the aim that God has given, the instruction that He has given, happy is He. So it shows very clearly that we should desire to have a clear vision of what it is that God wants us to do. Because without a vision, we just come together and we do a little nice little thing and then we go home and there's no force behind it. There's no movement, there's no direction. So what is... What could you say is the vision statement for the church? I think it comes down to this. We are walking toward Christ with our community. If you write things down, write this down. If you don't write things down, write this down. If you put it in your phone, memorize it, because I think this is, I believe that this is what, as Christians, we should be trying to do with our life. We should be walking towards Christ. With our community. Let's break this down. Walking. I have started lately trying to walk more in my life. I found an online challenge thing that challenges me to walk so many miles a week and and so many miles in a month, and I've been trying to do that. Being and Harper have been going walking during the day. Now the thing about walking is that walking consists of steps. It's not just you start walking in your one place and then you're a totally different place in the next minute. It takes steps to get there. In the Chinese proverb of it, the journey of a ten thousand miles uh, starts with the first step. Walking consists of steps. The vision isn't necessarily some end, but it is a continual process. Our vision should be continually walking towards Christ with our community. And the thing about steps is that no matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, there are steps that you can make to be closer to Him. See, walking doesn't leave anybody out. It takes the person that does not know Christ, and that's that first step in their journey to Christ. It's the person that's been in church for 30, 40 years. It's those continual steps of trying to get closer to who it is that God desires for you to be. We all have steps to take. Steps that we could make. To be better. To do better. It's not necessarily about being good, but just doing better. Making steps to be better. But what are we walking towards? We're walking toward Christ. This is our direction that the steps should be taking us towards. Everything we should do should be evaluated under this microscope of what, where is this leading me? This decision that I'm going to make, is it taking me toward Christ? Is it taking me away from Christ? Or is it just leaving me in the same place that I've been for 10, 15, 20 years now? How do you evaluate your life? We evaluate success. We evaluate doing well in life by what we get or what we obtain or what we have. But really, truly, we should evaluate our success by saying, what am I doing that is getting me closer to Christ? That is helping me go towards Christ today where maybe I wasn't getting closer to yesterday. We all go through milestones in our life. Me and Tara just went through a milestone recently with having Harper seven months ago. And we go through these milestones and many times when we get to a milestone, we look back on where things were. I I know myself that when we had Harper, I looked back at our marriage or when we first met and, and thought of where I was then and think of where I am now and I realize and see the changes and we all have those milestones in our life. Maybe you're not having kids, but, but maybe you're about to get to that, that certain age. Maybe it's 60, maybe it's 50, maybe whatever it is, that, that age, that plateau that you think this place, and, and you're going to look back on your life, you're going to look back on the next, last 10 years, the last 5 years, the last year through this pandemic. And, and can you say that you are have moved towards Christ? Can you say that you are any closer, have any more faithful of a relationship with Him, any more of a committed relationship with Him today than you did then? Are we moving towards Christ? Not just yourself, but our church. Do we feel we're closer to Christ now than when I first came in here? Or when you first joined? Or when your fam- you first had your first kid? Or when your kid first graduated high school? Are we moving towards Christ? Are we remaining still? Or are we moving backwards? We must evaluate our lives and be honest with ourselves and say, is what I'm doing taking me towards Christ or away from Christ or am I just spinning my wheels? We can all look at our lives and see areas that maybe we've moved up or we've moved back. But our desire... Our vision for our lives, our vision for our church, for those that are around us, is that we are moving toward Christ. That we are making progress in that pursuit of a relationship with Him. That we are not satisfied with where we are at, but that we desire more. That we desire to be closer. That we desire to be more like Him. To be more pleasing to Him. To be the men and women that He has called us to be. That we are moving toward Christ. But ultimately it goes, it says, we, are, we do this with our community. Now sadly a lot of us think of our personal walk with Christ as all, that's all it is. That we just walk alone with Christ. But with really iterates that we do it with somebody. Somebody. If you look at Jesus and how He lived His life, He did it with other believers. He did it with other people. He did it with the disciples, with the apostles. He did it with the sinners as well. He lived His life with somebody. And it's very easy, and in and, and, and some places, it's, uh, this past year has really uh, did, did harm to this idea of being with people. It has separated us. It's driven us apart from each other. But we need to get to a place and an idea where we are comfortable and realize that we are meant to be with people. With people. With sinners in certain aspects and with the saints. We are meant to be with. Not called to walk alone, but called to be with. We look at, um, in in the very beginning in Genesis, the Bible tells us that he saw that Adam was alone, was by himself, and he said that this was not good. So he had Adam walk with somebody. But then our. Our is a possessive word. It means that I possess this. Our house, our church, our family, our car. It's a possessive word. And we like to talk about our church. We like to talk about our community. But we are not taking ownership of any of those things sometimes. Sometimes our actions say, no, that's Gilbert's church, that's Jacob's church, that's the deacon's church. No, that this is somebody else's community. I just live in it. But we should be taking possession, ownership of the the world around us, of the church that we worship in and serve in, of the community that we live in. We need to be taking ownership if we see issues, if we see problems, if we see that there's a need to do better, if we see somebody in need of help. It is our role as Christians to take ownership of that. To step up and say, I see something going on, I need to do something about it. I see somebody in need. I need to do something about it. Not say somebody else will get that. You ever worked in an environment where no matter what it was that needed to be done, you'd go to somebody and say, Hey, this needs to be done. I don't know what to do. That's not my job. You go to somebody else, Hey, so and so doesn't know it's not their job. This needs to be done. It's not my job either. And in our churches, in our community, we have people that are not taking ownership of the responsibility of this vision that God has for us. They're just saying that's somebody else's job. Well, that's leadership's responsibility to get us to that point. That's, that's the, the pastor's responsibility to, to see people get saved. That's the deacon's responsibility to go and help those in need. We do not take ownership of our families, of our, of our churches, or of our communities. That's somebody else's role. That's somebody else's responsibility. That's somebody else's job to take care of that. But Christ has called each of us on a personal level to take ownership and, and have a desire to do something to help, to help grow, to help minister to, to help uplift, to help encourage. But too often it's we hand it off or push it off on somebody else. But it's our Church if you've been here a week, or if you've been here all your life, this is our church. Commit to it. Serve it. Love it. Come to it. Participate with it. When we do great, celebrate together. When we're struggling, work together. This is our church. It's not mine. Truth be told, one day the probability is is that I'll move on and somebody else will come in. Truth be told, Gilbert just had a birthday. He's getting older. Estel's getting older. Maynard's getting older. Mark's getting older. Everybody gets older. It's not their church, it's not my church, it's our church. And until everybody takes ownership of the church that they worship in and they serve in and they say that they love, then the church won't go anywhere. The church won't grow. The people won't grow. You won't grow. Your family won't grow. It's our church. Own it. We like to own things in the good times. Yeah, that's my church. We've got people coming and getting saved. Yeah, that's that's my church. That's our church. But in the difficult times, or when you're when when you're in a place where you're busy and it just doesn't fit into, well, that'll take care of itself. No, it's ours. It's our church, but it's our community as well. We can't say it's the governor's responsibility to fix what's outside those doors. We can't say it's the mayor's responsibilities. Oh, this person, he, he doesn't want to get help, or this person don't want to fix things, this person don't want to do better. It's our community. And we can talk about it, and we can drag it through the mud, and we can point to certain streets, or certain families, or certain homes, and say that'll never get better, that'll never do anything different. But it's our community. It's our neighbor's. It's our street. If we would take ownership of something, we would treat it better. When we have something that we that we love, we say, this is mine. This is my house. This is my car. This is my whatever it is that I love, that I desire, that I respect. I'm taking ownership of it. We treat it well. Would we take ownership of our community in the same way? Be so offended when 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 people are hurting that we go and we make sure that they receive the help that they need instead of saying they'll figure it out or turning a blind eye. That we'd be so moved at seeing somebody in a desperate place that we make sure that they find a way out of it. That's what happens when you take ownership of something. Because here's the difference between ownership and just being an employee. I've worked at places. I've never owned a business. I've worked in places. You've worked in places. Who cares more about the business? The one that owns it or the one that works for the one that owns it? The one that works for it doesn't care about the, the bottom line. Doesn't care about employee turnover rate. Doesn't care about what the people in the community are saying about the work. Don't care about what the people that are receiving the product say about the work. They don't care. They just come, to clock in, get their dues and leave. But the one that owns it, the one that owns it, cares about it and puts in the blood, sweat and tears and really pours himself or herself into it because they care about the success of what it is that they have taken ownership in. The Bible says that we are joint heirs in Christ Jesus. Not just employees of Christ Jesus, but joint heirs in Christ Jesus. We treat our community, we treat our church, like we're just employees of it. Visitors to it. Let us treat it like we own stock in it. That we own part of it because we do we do your family's growth your growth your grandchildren's growth is dependent is dependent on them hearing the gospel message on them being able to come to church and worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ of them being able to know what it means to be a Christian a follower of Christ a disciple and that starts here And then it goes out there. But we should take ownership of our community and our church. But when I say community, it doesn't just end at your family. That's a great place to start. It doesn't just end at your church. That's a great place to take ownership of it. It means anybody and everybody that lives around you, that you come in contact with, that is your community. They asked the Master one time. They said, Master, who is? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He goes on to tell and reveal to them through parables and that everybody is your neighbor. Yes, we might not be able to reach Africa. We might not be able to, to reach third world countries. We might not be able to reach Washington, D.C., But we can take ownership of the place that is outside our front doors and contribute to making it better. Contribute to making a difference. Of seeing change fulfilled in the lives of our neighbors that we've been praying for so long. Let us take ownership of that. Let's begin to make steps towards doing that as we pursue Christ. Move towards Him. And let us do it together as a body of believers taking possession of our families, of our church, and our community. Taking it away from the devil that so desires to steal it and to kill it and destroy it. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. I'm the type of person who... Loves to know what I need to do. I do. And as I've, I've pastored and I pray at night and, and when I study and when I, I go to my quiet place, that's, that's what I continually come back to. How do I lead your people? How does the leadership lead your people? Let us lead them effectively, purposefully towards you. Give us a vision of where it is that you desire us to be. Walking toward Christ with our community. How do we do that? How do we do that? For the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about what's called values. Things that we value in our life. We all have them. We all have them. You might not have them written down. You might not have them um, put aside somewhere. You might not have them posted in your home. You might not ha- read them every morning. But we all have values, things that we value. And it dictates how we live our life. If you value money, you're going to do make sure that you do everything you can to get more money, to save the money that you have. If you value possessions, you're going to make sure that you're able to get the things that you want. If you value family time, you're going to cut everything else out to make sure that you get that value time. What you value dictates what you do. you have said that before. But these are things... That I value in my life. These are things that if you read Scripture and you see that Christ points to as values that we should all have in our lives. We should build relationships. We should put others first. We should use our gifts. We should learn and share. And we should live boldly. Look at those. Look at those. And ask yourself, do I do them? Do I live them out in my life? Are they values to me, or could I take them or leave them? You know, the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about this about how to instill these values and why they are so important and why Scripture says that we should have them in our lives. And I'm confident because I've seen it work in my life and I've seen it work in other places. When we instill values, values and live them out effectively not only in our personal lives but in our families in our churches and we live it out in our communities this leads us to effectively living out the vision of walking toward Christ taking steps towards Him not with just myself but with our community that people begin to walk towards Christ that never knew Christ before that people who have never stepped foot in a door make that first step And that people who have become lax in the way that they live their life and there's no commitment to the church or to Christ and you can't see that valued in their life, they begin to make steps to become more committed. And those that are doing well, they continue to grow and they continue to see their prayers be answered, but they see it more effectively and earnestly happen in their lives because we are living out these values in our lives. That we build relationships. We'll put others first. We will use our gifts we will learn and share. We live boldly. So here's what I want to encourage you to do over the next, we've got five, five weeks. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss a Sunday. And every Sunday you come, bring somebody with you. Because here's the earnest truth. I'm not just here to be here. You shouldn't just be here to be here. Don't just talk about the community you live in and talk about the drugs and talk about the addiction and talk about the single mothers and talk about the dads that run off and talk about the ones that are on crack and the ones that are on this and the ones that are on that and the ones that are no good and ones that mom and daddy weren't ever good and they'll never be any good. Don't just talk about that. We are part of an organization that has proven over the generations that can effectively and earnestly make a difference in the community that they live in. We still can. We still can. So don't miss a Sunday. If you see somebody that normally is here, that isn't here, tell them they need to be here. That if they really claim New Canaan as their church, they need to be here. Because this is who we are. This is who God has called us to be. And it can't just be me. Me. And the deacons and one family or two families, we all need to be living this out in our life if we really truly desire to see change happen in our community. I want to see change. I don't live in Elk Valley. Me and Tara, when we first took the church, we looked at buying in, in, in everything, but everything floods. So we there was no land to buy. So we live in La Folle. But I, I love these people. I love the little school. I love our church. I love the people that drive back and forth. It breaks my heart when I see somebody passing it, knowing that, that they could be coming and worshiping with us and, and wondering what it is that they're valuing in their life. Praying that they would come to a point where they value our relationship with Christ. But I want to see things be different. I'm the type of person that vacuums and loves to vacuum because when you vacuum you can see the change you can see the change from how it used to be to how it is yes covid came and you could say that it was a, a year lost but god used that year for a purpose and a reason but i want to see the change i want your children to see the change I want them to know this vision and to instill this vision in their life. That way when they go off to school, they carry this vision with them. That way when they get married and maybe they go to another church, they carry this vision with them into their new community, into their new family, into their new life, so that we continue to pass this down and live it out for all the world to see. But let us not be aimless. Let us not be without direction. Let us not just be let loose without restraint. And perish in that situation. Let us grab hold to the vision. Reaffirm the direction that God has given us. Set our aim towards the mark of the high calling. And pursue it with purpose and passion. So that change can happen in our lives. In our families' lives. In our churches. In our community. I'm thankful so very thankful that Christ doesn't just save us and set us out to be aimless, but He gives us a vision. Scripture, as you read it, you can see the vision that God has for mankind and creation. You can see the vision that He has for His church. And the vision's clear if we would just open our eyes to see. So let us live out this vision in our lives. Amen.